How are y'all doing this morning? Good, good. It was a great day yesterday, right? Beautiful day of rain and yeah, cold. Yeah, I love it. Uh, uh, summer has arrived, or I mean, uh, fall has arrived. My my wife, she said yesterday, winter's here. And I said, don't forget fall, right? Don't forget. It's like the best season of the year. Anyways, <laughs> you know, um, a couple years back, uh, five or six years ago, I was uh, down in California visiting a friend of mine who lives in Orange County, Irvine, and uh, he picked me up from the airport. I'd gotten in pretty late in the evening and um, hadn't had anything to eat, so uh, before we went uh, to his home, we, we stopped and we uh, at a restaurant and we're getting something to eat. And and my, my friend, his name's Eric, uh, some of you actually know him, uh, but he is a very outgoing person, very outgoing person. He's a salesman, and so he just has that salesman charm about him uh, with everybody. There's nobody that's a stranger. And so as we're sitting there eating our dinner, uh, there's a table next to us who had another salesman at it. And as you can imagine, competing salesmen for attention, right? Well, they started, they struck up a conversation. And so uh, that table and our table, we were kind of just joking back and forth and uh, having, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I'm a more of an introverted person, but I was enjoying the, the banter back and forth. And, and so uh, my, my friend, Eric, he, he says to the guy, well, where are you from? And the guy goes, well, I live here in Irvine, but I'm originally from Oregon. Uh, and, and instantly, my friend Eric, he grew up in Sweet Home as well. And we both are like, oh, really? Oregon? Uh, we're at in Oregon. The guy goes, oh, it's from a real small town. You've never heard of it before. And uh, we said, oh, well, try us. We're from a small town in Oregon that no one's ever heard of before. He goes, oh, it's, it's called Sweet Home. Uh, don't make fun of the name. But, uh, and we both said, get out of here. We are from Sweet Home as well. And he stood up out of his chair, and he goes, what's your names? And we told him, and he told us his name. His name was Jeff, and they actually knew each other from high school. Now, both of them were, I mean, this was uh, almost 20 years after the fact, and so uh, physical appearances had changed, and, and they were a few years apart, and uh, his name was Jeff, and he had gone to Eastland Christian Academy a few years after Eric had, and we ha all had many, many common people that we knew. In fact, I knew who the kid was. He was quite a bit younger than me at the time in high school years. And, uh, but I knew who he was, and I knew his brother. And, and it was just it was remarkable, this connection that we made with this person uh, in the middle of Orange County, California, where there's like millions of people down there. We ran into this one person that, that we had all of these connections to. And it was interesting because... Uh, Jeff and Eric, uh, since I'm up here, I don't have the, the connection that they do, but they, they developed a very close friendship and connection. In fact, they ended up working together at a couple different places, and, and it was amazing, the friendship, the connection that grew between those two, uh, and, and a little bit between me and them, uh, because of our past history together, our, our connections from the past that we had to Sweet Home and all the common uh, friends and, and even fam family members and such that, uh, that we, we learned over dinner that uh, we had. It was really an amazing story. You see, uh, it, it kind of the concept of networking in business, that it, this, the idea that connections help us build other connections, right? If, if we didn't have those connections with Jeff, it probably would have ended. The relationship would have ended at that restaurant that day. But because of the connections that we had 
to Sweet Home, to the friends and family and such, a common history, uh, that, that relationship has continued to this day. Uh, our, our sermon series that we are going through right now, Rooted, is kind of a similar concept. And, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, are our theme passage, is our theme passage for this series. And, and it kind of gives us this idea too. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So as we consider this idea of being rooted in Christ, we keep asking ourselves each week the question, how do we grow deeper roots into Jesus Christ? How do we do that? How do we become more connected to our Savior? Well, today I want to take a couple steps back. We've talked about how we do that through growing roots of trust, and we grow connected through His Word, and, and whatever I talked about last week. And this week, though, I want us to ask the question, uh, where do we begin? Where do these steps begin? And, and uh, uh, I have this idea. Can, this is kind of the premise of this question, or this idea. We begin the process of growing our roots down deep into Jesus or developing a foundation. That's what we talked about last week. A foundation in Christ when we are connected to the family of God. Okay, the family of God is so important for our connection to Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, uh, it gives us this idea. It start, where we start. It says, remember, and this is speaking to some, uh, some Christians. By, this is Paul writing, and he's, he's writing to some Christians who were Gentiles. Right? They weren't Jewish Christians. They were Gentile Christians. But he says this. He says, remember that at that time, this is before they became introduced to Christ, you were separate from Christ. You were once separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right? Christianity, you see, it isn't about you know, a box on a form that we check. Right? You are Caucasian or, you know, check, a male or female, you check, uh, a Christian, right, check. No, it's not, it's not about a check form, a form on a, a check mark on a form somewhere. It's not just about a, a Facebook status that's been updated. You once weren't a Christian, now you are because you declared it on Facebook. It's something, becoming a Christian, becoming part of the family of God is something so profound that it changes your, your very identity. You see, you were once strangers to God. Right? You were completely disconnected, completely separate from Christ. That's what this passage in Ephesians is telling us. You were completely separate from Christ. You were totally out of place in a foreign land. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about that way, but you know, I've heard stories of people over the years that have gone to a foreign country. Right? And unbeknownst to themselves, they totally unintentionally offended the people that they were around or the, the culture that were, they were within. I'm sure that, that Todd and Jessica, who we'll be praying for in just a little bit, could tell us stories of accidentally, oops, I didn't know that was a problem with this culture, right? And they learned it the hard way. For, for example, some of the ones that, that I've, uh, I've heard of before is that when you are in Asian countries, uh, or specifically Mongolia, um, it is very much an insult to touch someone on the head, or touch their horse, or touch their hat. 
or anything that starts with H, right? No, I don't know if that's really true. But, but don't touch their head, don't touch their hat, and don't touch their horse. That's horse. That's rude, right? In Thailand and in a lot of Arab countries, uh, you never want to point with your foot. Like, hey, that over there? No, don't do that, right? Because you could risk showing the sole of your feet, which is an insult. Um, in Japanese uh, homes, you do not want to enter with your shoes on. Right? That's an insult to the, 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 the family that lives there. Uh, in Spain, and, and this would be, you guys would be in trouble. Don't stretch or yawn in person, in, in public, right? Yeah. No, okay, never mind. It's vulgar, right? <laughs> it's offensive. No, as a preacher, when you yawn in the sermon, that's what I'm trying to get at there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, don't ever, in Russia, give your sweetheart an even number of roses. So no dozen roses, gentlemen. One's enough, right? <laughs> uh, in, in England or Austria or Ireland, uh, don't give the peace sign. It's uh, not what you think it is, nor is giving them a thumbs up or an okay symbol. Just avoid hand gestures altogether. Uh, and definitely don't use your left hand, right? That's a, those are offensive things. Now, uh, those things you could do and completely not even realize culturally that you were being offensive, right? Because you're a stranger in that foreign land. And, and like that stranger in a foreign land, you were once so culturally unaware that you didn't even realize that you were offending God. And that's the, the place you were in. That's the status that you once were found within, right? That's the kind of situation we're in without Jesus Christ. And until we were introduced to the blood of Jesus, to the blood of Christ, uh, we didn't know any different. And that blood that was shed on the cross that we remember each and every week because of how, how vitally important it is to our faith and to our life as Christ followers, that blood was shed to introduce you to something very, very important. That is the family of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right... To become children of God. See, this, this idea of being part of the family of God is why Jesus came. Right? To make you a part, a child of God. And now as a part of his family, you know, our foundation has been established. Right? We have a solid foundation and our roots can begin to grow. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through through 22, kind of playing off that earlier Ephesians 2 passage, it says this, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, right? You were once unaware, but you're no longer in that category. You're not a stranger, you're not a foreigner, you're not an alien, but now what, what are you? It says you are fellow citizens uh, with the saints and members of, God's of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also were being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You were once a stranger and an alien, offensive to God. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been made part of that family. You're in. You've come to a belief. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior, hopefully. And you're living a life with Him in charge, hopefully. You've been adopted as a child of God. You aren't simply a visitor or just a house guest that stays for a while and is gone. You know, uh, Friday night, 
Uh, after the football game, we had a football game, 11-1, go Warriors, 5-0, right? And, uh, uh, of course, when we have, after our home games, we have little get-togethers at one of the coaches' house for all the coaching staff, and they're a lot more fun after a victory, so this year's been great. But we had one, we were, we had a, we were at one of the coaches' house, and he had a fire ring, we're sitting around the fire ring, and one of the coaches was telling us about how he was hosting a, an exchange student this year, and they have him for, or a girl, for nine months, and and he was talking about how they're kind of trying to make her a part of the family. But the fact is that even though she is living with them for nine months, a, a long stay, and they are including her in their family as much as possible, she is not part of their family, right? She's a guest, and then she will be gone. But, um, you know, they, we, we welcome them in, right? They're included in activities, but eventually they leave. You see... You are not like that exchange student now within the family of God. You are blood. You have the rights of a legal heir within the family. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, it tells us this. It says, when, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, you are his children. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And that spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, you can call him Abba, Father, Daddy. You are no longer a slave, a foreigner, a stranger, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. It isn't just a simple adoption where you take on the legal rights. This is something where you are placed firmly as God's child within his family, grafted into his branch. So it's this transition from stranger and alien to, to family member that allows us to begin to grow our roots into Christ Jesus. We've been transplanted. We've been taken from a field or a crop that would bear no fruit. And the Bible tells us, Jesus himself says that that crop, that fruitless crop will one day be ripped out of the ground and it will be burned by the fire and you've been rescued and delivered from that fate right and you've been placed in a new field a new crop where we are connected to the life-giving vine that will guarantee that our roots are deep and that we don't need to fear and that we will bear fruit right we've learned that from the passages from jeremiah in psalm 1 we are part of something very special now. It's that something special that aids in our continual growth in Christ Jesus. And that something special is the family of God. We grow deeper roots into Christ Jesus as we grow more deeply connected to the family of God. Understand that? As we grow connected to God, he places us within his family. And as we grow closer and closer to that family, we grow closer and closer to our Savior to our Father in heaven. Let's look at the example of the early church. I always think that as we consider the things that we do around here, that we should follow that ultimate example. Now, the early church wasn't without its fault, right? It was made up of people like you and I, people with, with failures and, and sin from time to time, right? But as an example, it's the truest example we have as it was overseen by the people that Jesus taught and mentored himself, the apostles. So as they spoke, as they taught, and as they drew people to Christ, and the Spirit grabbed hold of them, and they turned to Jesus for the first time, uh, they, we, we can learn from their example. 
And so I love the book of Acts chapter 2. And I, I know I've read some of these verses that I will read in just a minute many times, but I believe we can learn so much from them. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gives a sermon and he teaches the people about what they did to Jesus Christ and who Jesus was to them and what they needed to do to make things right or how Christ, I should say, made things right for them. And the response was, was incredible. And, and this is the, the end of that sermon. It says in Acts chapter 2.41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were taken from being foreigners and strangers and aliens and were uprooted and planted within the family of God and were now Christ followers. So what did they do to develop their roots into Christ Jesus? You know, what did they do? They'd been made sons and daughters. They'd gained their inheritance. Those roots were beginning to grow. Well, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, again, we, we actually went through a, a sermon series uh, about a year, year and a half ago uh, over this idea. And, and it goes like this. It says, they, those new Christ followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in, in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, those who were being uprooted from that, that, destroy, that crop that was soon for destruction and planted within the field of God's love, part of his family. They lived their lives together. Did you get, catch that from this passage? They lived their lives together, together with God, first and foremost, right? Their relationship with God is what drove this whole deal. It's what motivated all of them. But they lived life together with their new family, the new family of God. They spent time together. They learned together. They, they served alongside of each other, and they served each other. They helped others. They worshiped together and praised God and prayed to God together. They ate together and met together, sometimes collectively as the church and sometimes in the little C church found in within their home in fellowship with other couples and, and people of the faith, small groups home groups. You know, they, they lived life together. And they knew, they knew that Jesus expected them to do basically two things, to love others and to love him, to care for others and to care for him. And so they took that expectation and they ran with it. And so they did it, right? They had the mindset that we find in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, that says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's living life together. When someone went through a horrible loss, the loss of a loved one, they grieved together. And when someone got a promotion and it was exciting news, they, they celebrated life together. They, were, they loved on each other. They shared with each other. If someone had a need, they met that need. They were in it together, one for all and all for one. You heard that? before right you're probably thinking three musketeers right wrong no, i mean i mean you're right that it, the three musketeers did say that but actually this I, I looked this up because when that came to my mind i'm like 
I've got to go to Wikipedia and find out what's going on, right? Listen to what it says. Uh, it says, in the me- in, there was a meeting in what is now Germany in 1618 between the leaders of the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. The Catholic Church was, was uh, persecuting the Protestant Church. With, um, uh, with, it, was, it, was, it was a horrible situation, a horrible time for Protestant churches. And, and there was a representative of the Protestant church, and he read a letter to the Catholic church leaders, and, he, and it said this. It says, as they are absolutely intended to proceed with the execution against us. In other words, this continued persecution. We came to a unanimous agreement among ourselves that regardless of any loss of life and limb, honor and property, we would stand firm with all for one and one for all. Now, it's a little phrase that we just throw out there sometimes. But for those people in that church in 1600, they were making a declaration that this right here was worth standing for. It was worth dying for. It was worth giving up everything, whether that be my life, my possessions, my, my freedom. I would give it up all for Christ Jesus, and I would give it up all for the family of God living life together. So as we consider what we do here on a weekly basis here at Southside, what does that look like to live life together, to be connected to each other so that we grow in our connection to Christ? Well, I, I was, I'm pretty happy myself when I consider some of the things that are going on. Things like home groups. Right? That is a totally biblical model of living life together. Being in close relationship with other people in their home, studying God's word, praising together, praying together, eating together, right? Knowing what's going on in each other's lives and encouraging each other and bearing each other's burdens when we're going through times of trial. There's no greater way in my mind of living out life together, that that idea of one for all and all for one, than what we do here each week in home groups. But beyond that, there's other things. Sunday school classes where we learn together about God's word and his expectations of us. Our youth groups, where kids are developing relationships and connections to each other, and mentors in Jesus, allowing them to feel like they are a part of something greater than themselves. Our men's and women's uh, ministries, the Bible studies that meet almost on a daily basis, accountability groups where men and women are encouraged to keep fighting the good fight and to rid addiction and sin from their lives. We have men and women's breakfasts and brunches that take place on a, on a monthly uh, uh, schedule, right? We just had a men's breakfast yesterday morning where men are, again, encouraged and motivated to be godly fathers and godly husbands uh, doing what Christ has expected of them. We have men's and women's uh, retreats, marriage retreats. Ladies, there's a, uh, another... Uh, women's retreat coming up in just a couple weeks that there's still room for. It's an opportunity for you to be more connected to the other ladies that are sitting around you that maybe you don't know. Maybe you recognize, but you don't know what's going on in their life. And how sad is that? If you can look around this room and you just recognize faces, but you have no idea what those people around you are dealing with in life, then we are not truly living out Acts chapter 2. We are definitely not connected as a family, if that's the case. Our worship services, where we collectively, we meet together, and we praise God, and we learn from his word, and we share time at the table. That's living life together 
our, our benevolence opportunities, where we give of our time and we give of our treasures to help other people in need. That's Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, in action. And just other opportunities to serve our family and to serve our communities. Again, giving our time, giving our talents, and giving our treasures for the sake of Christ Jesus. We grow deeper roots in Christ when we grow more connected to the family of God. Because when we are connected to others, when we, when we love them and when we serve them, when we bear their burdens, when we walk through life together, we are fulfilling Christ's command to us to love God and to love others. That's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And as we live out that command, connected to the family of God, we will grow deeper roots into Christ Jesus. And when we grow deeper roots into Christ Jesus, we will be more connected to him, and we will grow continually more connected to his family. And the cycle will continue. Let's pray. Father, I am just very grateful today for my family that I have here at Southside. And Father, we have our ups and downs, and, and we act as any family does. We encourage each other, we support each other, we care for each other, and there are times when we drag each other down. And so, Father, we, we repent of those times when we aren't living out that command to love each other. But Father, we're grateful for the fact that you've brought us into this family. You've made us a part of your children. You're, 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 you've given us an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And you've given us a command and expectation to continue to love each other. And so, Father, we strive for that together today. We strive to be able to say, no matter the loss of limb, life, loved ones, our own life, we're in this fight, this, this family, together, one for all and all for one. Father, may that be true here at Southside. In Jesus' name, amen.